This week on Tapping In, we are going to talk all about mindset. How do you get yourself ready to go into battle, competition, work, the business meeting, ask for a raise, deal with your wife, deal with your kids, deal with your spouse? How do you prepare your mind? All that and so much more on this week's episode, episode number 71 of Tapping In. Sit back and enjoy the show. We're here. They say we're young and we don't know. We'll we'll find out until we've grown. I'm growing right now, baby. (laughs) We're back. 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 I'm back. Had a little week off, right? But in between that, we had two episodes come out, 69 and 70. Mm -hmm. We had a Quick Taps episode come out. By the way, I meant to tell you about that. I really liked that one. A lot of people. What was it, about 10 minutes? Yeah, it, it, like that. But you just touched and you kept hammering home the same point, which was really, really good. It, it was, I just knew I had to make something. Yeah, and no, that's what I was feeling. Shit, I mean, I would have lost, I would have ran out of gas around the uh, the 30 minute, the 30 second mark. Yeah, a lot yeah. of people reached out to me for that one. Yeah, it was pretty good. Which goes back to that whole, you know, Gary V thing. Just keep making content, keep making content. <laughs> that's Gary V's thing? Yeah. It's like, just keep making, bro. You're eating cereal? Just record that shit, motherfucker. That's how he talks. He drops a lot of F-bombs. Um, but yeah, I was like, you know what? I was like, I, I kind of had a feeling we, were, we weren't going to record. Uh, yeah, you weren't uh, feeling that well. Yeah, I was just tired and just not, you know, yeah. I'm feeling a little shitty this last week. Just mm. like tired, really run down. So I was like, but you just... asked a very important question, whether to keep the hair and the look you have now <laughs> or whether to go for like, go back to the old white days. bread. <laughs> yeah. I think we're, uh, we're staying. So interestingly enough, Blanca I... pond. Oh, I mean, <laughs> mm, that means white bread for everyone. Um, no. So I actually got my hair done by someone, you know, uh, Who's that? Stephanie Allen. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Went down there. Everyone kept telling me, go see Steph, go see Steph. I did. She killed it. Yeah, she's really, really a talented girl. And she's she's been in this for a long, long time now. Yeah, uh, she's been doing it for a long time. And when I was done, she was like, yeah, you know, when you uh, take a shower, whatever, she's like, you know, just let it dry normally. It should look good. She's like, I I used a diffuser just because I want to see what your hair looked like curly. She's like, you have really beautiful (laughs) curls. I was like, thanks. I was like, because I did. I have curly hair. So when she I don't like, have that used, problem any longer, apparently. I know. So I went, <laughs> it's so funny. I went to uh, my boss's office yesterday, Kevin. Uh-huh. Kevin's bald. Okay. And I was like, hey, Kev, I need a huge favor. He's like, what's up, little buddy? And I was like. <laughs> what is this, the skipper on Gilligan's Island? Yeah. Well, I, what's you know, up, little buddy? Well, you know, because I'm a gorilla, so he thinks it's okay. ironic and cute. Ah, and I'm like, I, uh, I have some of my hair product at home. Do you have any? And he's like, oh, let me check. And he goes in his room. He's like, no, don't have any. <laughs> I was like, all right. And I walked in. He goes, oh, Miguel, by the way, I'm like, what's up? He's like, fuck you. I'm like, oh. Because he's bald. <laughs> I'm growing it out for all my uh, follically challenged friends. Yeah, you're a giver that way. That's it, baby. <laughs> Jesus this is on. A, this is a, a mission that I'm on. This is a, it's a charity that I'm doing. You're a giver. That's, that's, it, that's the thing, man. You know what I like tonight? You also mentioned uh, it, it was sort of a heartfelt thing. You you gave the black belt speech at the end of class. I really didn't mean to. Uh, no, 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 it's totally cool. It's totally cool because what you talked about, you know, like driving up to your house. I thought that was a really cool story. Yeah. I really, really did. I, it was like sort of heartfelt because I'll tell you, I hate to say, but we are in a somewhat affluent neighborhood here and I don't think a lot. Somewhat. Of, okay. Somewhat. We are, the, we are the 11th wealthiest town in uh, New oh, Jersey. Yeah. Okay. By the way, I do not live in Montgomery. I'm not. <laughs> You're close enough. <laughs> I'm a <the> town over. <laughs> right. 
you're adjacent to yeah. it. Yeah. No, but what I'm getting at is that like I don't think a lot of people in this town really, really have had hard times, if you will. I think a lot of people have no, in this town. Maybe, yeah, maybe their parents, but the kids, I don't think. Oh, the kids? No. The, yeah. kids, ain't, the kids ain't struggling. So you're here. talking to kids that are you know, Montgomery kids for the most part, and I just think it was really heartfelt because I don't think they really uh, have it. And you made the important point that you made was that your kids will probably not have that same appreciation. Yeah, they won't. Yeah. They just won't get it. You got to have a little poverty in your life. I think you need struggle. And that's what I was yeah, talking struggle, about. Tonight. Whatever, yeah. and, it, and it all came off the fact that, you know, our air conditioning's fixed. <laughs> and, but that's really what it came from. It's like, you know, the last month, it's, <laughs> First been, world problem. Yeah, it's been hot in here. And, you know, the kids were busting their ass. Yeah. And then tonight we had air conditioning on and they trained like shit. Oh, it was that, so you could really see it. Yeah. And like wow. Denisa saw it. I'm like, how were the kids tonight? And she was like, mm. <laughs> it just, and, and you know, I know, uh, you know, Pete McHugh, my friend always says, you know, when you teach a class, don't be the thermometer, be the thermostat. I had that fucking thermostat cranked up today. I was like, let's go get down. We yeah. work, we work. And right. they're just, and I'm like, it's cause they're comfortable. Yeah. They're comfortable. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty much where everything stemmed from. Like, you know, we, you know, I know my kids are going to grow up very comfortable. Yeah. So I have to create discomfort. A little adversity yeah. in their lives. So how do I do that? I make them come here. Okay. I make them train. I make them work. You know, Natural and adversity. Well, the thing is like the way my kids train is different from how the other kids train. Like Explain. They don't, so Benny acted up one day, just wasn't listening. So when the class was over, I was like, did you focus and discipline today. Like, oh, I you know, get it. It's like having the coach for the, yeah. uh, <laughs> so I told you, him, I was like, you owe me 30 minutes. Your father's and I the made coach him, kind of yeah, thing. And I yeah. made him wrestle. Nice. So I'm going to give you a perfect story to touch on that. Love it. So I love my mom and my aunts. They're the best. Right. But whenever I talk about things that they did when I was a kid, they take it so personal and they're like, oh, we were so terrible, but they're, they're missing the message with what I say. When I talk about the way they disciplined me or the way they brought me up, they're they're so like defensive on what they did that I'm like, you guys aren't realizing that it's it's those tough things that made me what I am. It's those tough lessons that were the good lessons. Right. Yeah, so yeah. while you might think that, you know, I'm saying, oh, they were so rough on me. I'm not. I'm actually like, that's the stuff that that's what helped me. Yeah. Right. Whereas they just, you know, well, they, it certainly gives you the drive. It's, I mean, because like, like I said, I know you always tease me about it, but it's like when I didn't have money, it, it, it <laughs> I was walking around with a chip on my shoulder. Yeah, you got to be hungry. Yeah, but you know, like I, I couldn't, you know, it was, it was very much, you know, you know, be strong, be tough. Yeah, and I think for them it was tougher because it was a group of women trying to raise a man. Yeah, and that's it. That in itself is its is its own obstacle. So they might have been a little bit rougher with certain things, but what they don't realize is. Those tough things are what I appreciate looking back. Yeah. I'm like, that's what I needed. Well, that's what molded you. Yeah. But they kind of look back and like, ah, maybe we would have been too hard. So they're at my house on Sunday and uh, my Aunt Rosie, she's like, did you see what Benny did? Did you see what Benny did? I'm like, what? He was like, Juliana was going to go in the pool and we have a solar powered skimmer. It collects the sunlight and it just goes around my pool all day skimming. So I don't have that many leaves, which is great. He goes, Benny went up to it grabbed it turned it off did it so that juliana could go in and swim because juliana's scared of it she's scared it's gonna like catch her hair and i go ask him how he learned to do that and she's (laughs) like what do you mean i was like well yesterday 
we were going to go in the pool and it had rained all night Friday. So there's leaves, there's dirt. Like, so I'm like, you guys got to wait till I finish cleaning up the pool. Right. So they're just standing there with their goggles watching me work. And I was like, you know what? No free rides. You guys want to go in the pool? This is how you take care of the pool. So I made Benny carry the hose to me. Then I had him hold the pole while I, you know, put the hose in the, while I, uh, while I prime the hose. Right. So I'm teaching him, I was like, it's called priming the hose. And he's like, oh, he's miserable. And I was like, now hold the hose. So then I, I put the hose in and I vacuum. I'm like, good. Thank you for helping me with that part. So now I vacuum. When I'm done vacuuming, I'm like, all right, you know, pull the hose out. Now I want you to start, you know, pulling the hose out of the water. Do it this way so that the water doesn't empty on the grass. It empties back into the pool. Then I had Juliana get the chemical kit. I sat them down. We tested the chemical. I put them to work. I'm like, this is what it takes to have this pool. Yeah. You can't just stand there and look at it and be like, are you done? Are you done? Yeah. Fucking help. So I tell them that story. And they're like, oh, my God. you did. Just let them be kids. Let them. Be. And I'm like, wait a minute. You were just bragging and <laughs> praising him right. for taking the skimmer out of the pool. But understand that it was my tough lesson that taught him that. Where it right. gave him the confidence to say, you know what? I'm going to take this out of the pool. Yeah. Took that initiative to say, I'm, typically we ask dad to take it out, but we're going to do it now because we know how to do it. But he's always been very defensive of his sister. Like you told the story about when she got punished, he was like lawyering up. Oh, <laughs> dude. I just told him that story the other day. They were cracking I up. I mean, that's a great story. But, uh, but yeah, but you know, he just, you know, he knew Juliana doesn't like to swim with it but typically they would just come and get me but this yeah. time he's like you know what i'm gonna take it out and he did and they can swim you know so it was just like you know those tough lessons are the right ones and you know they need it unfortunately unfortunately i had way too many of those growing up i was like the only guy my dad would ask to you know mow the lawn and you know help him fix the cars and all this other shit and it's like i always was like and my brothers that well my brother would always turn to me and look at me and he just like goof on me. I'm like, I'm going to kick your fucking ass uh, I make, if I see you. I make Benny help with the lawn. I have him take the water out to the guys nice. where I'm mowing it. And I'm there like, you go. I'm like, go send, take this outside. <laughs> I'm not mowing that lawn. Fuck out of here. <laughs> I, I got shit it. to do, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an important man. <laughs> I do the math. I'm like, look, it's four guys. It's taking them 25 minutes to do our lawn. Okay. So if I was one person doing it, we got to multiply that 25 by four. We're at a hundred minutes right there, but I'm gonna get time. Going to be, it's gonna take me two hours to do what they do in 25 minutes, brother. It's called opportunity cost. In other words, you're putting your time better use, better used, doing what you're doing as opposed to mowing a fucking lawn. Yeah, I can't do it. So <laughs> it's it's that simple. Yeah, I mean, if I had like a massive like farm, I'd probably do it because it'd probably be fun. Just go yeah, out for there the first time, and then you know, the second a, time, yeah, no. Grab a couple beers, a little white claws. Man, I used to have a, mowing, a lawn mowing business when I was a kid, and it's like there was this one guy that had two fucking huge dogs. He had like a Doberman and a um, and like a German Shepherd. That was mother. And these these were the days when like massive you, shits. Yes, these were the days where you didn't like like you just let the dogs out and they and they shit in the backyard. Oh my god, dude! So many times my my uh, lawnmower would hit that pile of shit and like spray it, and I'm like, <laughs> mother. <laughs> And you know how a lawnmower hits it, and oh, it, yeah. it hits your shins. Oh, <laughs> and God. the worst part is, I'm like, oh man. The worst part about it is, his wife was so freaking fat. Imagine she'd come out. 
I'm like, get lost, you. Oh God, that was my thing. <laughs> At least if like the the wife was hot, you'd have something to be. Yeah, just give me a little eye candy. She'd be like, something. Oh, Roy, I'm so sorry. Would you like a lemonade? <laughs> Can I borrow your towel? Yeah, yeah. please. <laughs> like I need something to quench my thirst on this hot summer day. Yeah, mama. She'd be like, oh, Roy. I was doing my Elvis voice. <laughs> She's like, oh, Roy, You're like my <laughs> own little personal star of David. <laughs> no, she was Jewish too, but what a load. <laughs> eh, what are you going to do? Two big ass dogs taking shit. Mrs. Lieberman. Oh, I had a teacher in fifth grade. Her name was Mrs. Lieberman. There you go. She was kind of hot. Okay. <laughs> and I'll never forget on uh, during, I can't remember if it was Hanukkah. It had to have been Hanukkah. She uh, she came in and she, she mm-hmm. brought us matzah to the class. It's Passover. So it was Passover. Okay. She introduced us to matzah. And then she, you know, wow. brought in some matzo ball How soup. How multicultural of her. Yeah, she was teaching us. <laughs> I had that matzo ball soup. I'm like, yo, I can get down with this okay. shit. It's good shit. It's good I'm shit. like, damn, I love Jesus, but this is fucking <laughs> really good soup. <laughs> love it. Uh, few, few shout outs here. Because now that I'm Instagramming. Yes. Uh, yes. At BB Roy A. Hey, love it. Um, there's some really good folks out there that are really, really like sending me some really, really nice uh, messages. And I re- just a few of our fans that I just wanted to address. Oh, thank God you can finally talk to them. Anthony Joseph, Dakota Wilson, David Ramirez, and the guys from Better Than Average podcast sent some of the nicest things to me. And I was really, uh, I'm so glad you get to finally talk to those people. Yeah, they're really, really good. Uh, and yeah. really, thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. And, Never uh, talked to Dakota. No. Don't know who that is. Okay. Sounds like a woman. I don't know. He doesn't look hot. Oh, okay. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, maybe, Dakota. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe it is a woman. I don't know. I don't know. I, well, because I only know one Dakota. Okay. And it's it's a girl. Oh, maybe it is her. I don't so know. I'm just like, yeah, no. She didn't send me any Grambot nude pictures. That's perfect. <laughs> Uh, I've got Dave, a few of those apparently. Dave's the man. Uh, Anthony Joseph, awesome. He's constantly. Yeah. I just I posted him today on the. Uh, yeah, the, you did. You did. He sent like you know he's always going to like on the PGA Fanatics and he's like definitely check out this podcast. Yeah, really good guys. Uh, you know, and then of course the guys from Better Than Average are absolutely some wacky guys. They really are, but you know what? I you know he posted some cool videos and uh, their videos are great yeah i wish we had a guy who could do that here. exactly we didn't we're not doing any of that stuff well who's gonna do it i don't know how to do that shit. we gotta get reese in here i'm telling you he's the boy we gotta get reese yeah be like reese you're gonna hear a lot of naughty words <laughs> just find the good ones and i think we can just pay him by giving him a snickers bar or something like that oh yeah you know <laughs> he's the best i love that kid. kid his dad's a great guy too i went over to their house he was uh giving me some uh tips on video videography which i'm very cool in one ear out the other unfortunately well, you know i just know nothing <laughs> i'm just a fucking idiot like, i'm nope. like oh yeah yeah i got it he goes you sure you got it i'm like yeah i got it no problem got it. yeah <laughs> like, what what cameras and then, I, and then i also had like a real crappy experience that even now i, I get the chills thinking about it we went to manny's party mm-hmm. okay which i had to miss yeah you did because Juliana was sick. Yeah. And it was Benny's birthday party the next day. <laughs> okay. So Steph and I are sitting there times. trying to work miracles to get this kid better. <laughs> Dude. Uh, so, so bummed I missed Manny's. It was really party. great. 
I've, oh, I, I've heard. No, I've I'm not. Heard, don't, yeah. I'm not like trying to say. I, I just enjoyed it. The, Manny's dad is a real, real nice, nice guy. Yeah, great guy. Didn't meet his mom, but mom's a sweetheart. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. I mean, Manny's a sweetheart. I mean, his whole family is great. You know, Josh was cool. Uh, you know, oh, I forgot the older brother's name, but uh, Brandon. Brandon. Okay. Uh, just a really great family. They live in a really cool kind of house with a large lawn. I don't mm. know if you've ever been there. No, but I heard about it. Yeah, it's really cool. They got a long drive. I don't know how the hell they they shovel that in the winter time. I mean, <laughs> have three sons. <laughs> I, there's no way the Pereira boys are shoveling that driveway. Maybe Manny no and Brandon. Chance. Josh ain't shoveling that shit. That's like a quarter mile driveway, or at least a, like a fifth of a mile. That That's driveway. Amazing. I got it. I got to see. <laughs> yeah. All right. So what happened? The kid Sorry, it's anyway. Uh, I, I pull up with me and Pooks and I drop her off because she's not walking the length of the driveway. Mm-hmm. So I got to take her right up to the front. She gets out of the car and I start driving. I didn't turn my car around, but I started going in reverse and I'm looking in the side view mirror as I'm driving in. I must be driving about 10 to 15 miles an hour. Maybe, maybe more than that, 15 to 20 fuck i almost hit sam's mom i didn't see her at all i mean i literally they were all like yelling you know like this now oh sam oh my god and i think i, I heard about this almost killed his mom and i'm like i like i'm just saying it. i'm getting the chills because it's like you ever have like one of those really How did you really miss her? where was she because i'm looking in the side view mirror the whole time figuring who the fuck wouldn't know i'm like driving backwards here she was walking towards the front of the driveway and I just she said by the grace of God she just happened to sense it and moved out of the way dude I could have been they could own my house how's that that's why I think you know senior citizens have to get retested <laughs> for their driver's license that's the lesson in this now, whole thing this, I'm like well now you really are fucking old dude but it's a real thing I think if you gotta get tested at 17 62 we're fucking doing it again. But did you ever have like one of those like real close calls <laughs> with <Really>? something? <laughs> oh God, I don't want to share this. Like, and it would have been your fault. That's the worst part about this whole thing. I almost had one two weeks ago. Give me. Yeah. Let's hear it. I literally like, I probably almost died. Yeah. Okay. What do you got? Yeah. I was on the turnpike okay. doing 75, 80 uh-huh. and I had a water bottle on the floor of the passenger side when you're reaching for it. And I, and I was like, fuck, <laughs> I was like, I was so thirsty and I didn't want to like, <clears throat> I didn't want to pull over. I was like, I can fucking reach it. But the problem is I, I still misgauge how big the truck is. Mm. So when I reached, I had to like reach a little bit more and my knee hit the steering wheel. Ooh. So I feel the truck make a sharp turn and I'm in the far left lane. Ugh. So I just immediately sit up right before I fucking crash into the wall, jerk the steering wheel back to the right. Oh, yeah. So now the fucking truck, you know, cuts across two yeah, lanes yeah, on yeah, the yeah, turnpike. Yeah. I, know, I, know I straighten it back to the left. So now it fucking fishtails, almost goes sideways and then straightens back out. And then I just keep driving. But in my head, I'm like, dude, I was so close to that fucking wall. It was one of those things where I just accepted. Uh, like in my head, I was, I was like, "I'm gonna crash." Like I just braced for the crash. I was like, I'm, "What I was time like, in the morning was this?" This was at three in the afternoon. Oh shit! So there was traffic there. Not as bad as at four in the afternoon. <laughs> yeah, but it, like it was like great. And I drive on the trucks lane. I thought you were talking like four thirty, five thirty in the morning or something no, like man. that because I knew uh, you get up early. The way it, the way the truck fucking. I'll tell you right now, if I wasn't in my truck, like if I was like in a regular truck. Yeah, I'm fucking crashing. Wow. 
Like in my head, I was like, "This the is stability on the truck is good." There, your, uh, that, your that truck. Thing's, that thing's built for fucking racing. Things built okay. for fucking, <laughs> yeah. It's a fucking TRD. And who recommended? It? I forgot. Some fucking dude. <laughs> some ju- some fucking jujitsu guy <laughs> calls himself the king. Um, but uh, dude, it was it was scary because it wasn't like oh I'm gonna crash it. It was like I, like I don't even and you it. feel like you caused it. That's the worst part. It's 100 percent my fault. <laughs> yeah, like I didn't have to reach for that water bottle. Like, <laughs> right? Have you ever, you've been in it? You've had to have been in a car accident. I haven't been in a car accident since I'm 18 years old. Okay, but when you were in it, you had that moment where you realized like I'm not bailing in this. This is an accident. Like I'm no, I, and definitely time does slow down. I yeah. still remember that feeling. Yeah. Just like I felt like I could, you know somehow or another make a move and make it happen so i remember my my thinking was like as i saw the wall i was like fuck like i accepted i was gonna hit it Mm. and all i wanted to do was minimize the damage yeah like you know what if i could just scrape the side right right right. i can drive like that slow you down and right yeah i can drive like that for a while and be like steph like fuck like you know we gotta put some money together and get this fixed (laughs) um i was like but if i hit it head on fucking trucks it's gone um but yeah i thought for sure like wow and it was so funny because I was like, like, I remember thinking like, I was like, fuck, I got to find a way to survive this. <laughs> Jeez. Well, because I thought about my kids. I'm sure. That was my first Jesus thought. I was like, Christ. fuck. And the worst part about it is that time does slow down. Yeah, it does. And you're like, oh, fuck. Dude, I mean, I might have been maybe, I'm going to say probably about a foot, foot and a half away from that wall Yeesh. when I fucking jerked the wheel. Wow. And it, it got to the point like once I saw the the nose turn, I was like, okay, maybe just the fucking back will hit. Right, it would have fishtailed yeah, uh, into the but wall. It, 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 Good deal, man. But I fishtailed one way, fishtailed the other. Testament to the tires, man. That's really... I got those fucking... Uh, I mean, you got some monster tires, Some brother. big old tires in that bitch. Good for you, buddy. I fucking thank God. <laughs> if I would have been in the fucking Lincoln, I would have been dead. Really? Yeah. I'm trying to think of that. Well, because that car is smaller. And if yeah. you jerk that wheel... Are you like with the truck? Bit. You can jerk the wheel, and it's like it's going to turn. But you jerk the wheel on that that fucking Lincoln. It's very responsive. It's yeah. Well, yeah. I notice it when I drive. Like when I drive it on the weekends. Yeah. I barely tap that yeah. wheel, and it's sharp turns. Yeah, I get it. I get it. So, uh, are you? Was this you were on your way to go see Barbie movie? Have you seen that yet? I have not seen that. I will not go see that. <laughs> you know, not unless I'm like forced to. But I do want to see it. I just don't want to go to the movie theaters for it. Yeah, but, dude, Barbie and Oppenheimer, they Barbie, saved. they're both kicking ass and Sound of Freedom. Yeah, you're not allowed to talk about that one, though. I'll talk about it all day long. They don't want to talk about the problem. fact that uh, human trafficking, fucking angry. child sex trafficking is a real thing. Sound of Freedom, man. Good for them. Did you see it? I didn't see it, but there are good folks behind it. Yeah. You know? Tim Ballard, right? Tim Ballard is the guy that it was about, mm-hmm. and uh, the uh, they called it Angel Studios. Yeah, and uh, really, really good guys. And uh, here was the thing about those guys that a lot of people don't realize. Uh, I think it was three years ago they got sued by Disney really? to the tune of sixty million dollars or something like that. Okay, because they had developed some. Oh, I know what it was. They had developed a um, a software that you can run movies through that takes out the bad words. Okay, mm. Disney sued them for like sixty million. They lost. Okay. Now, at that point, you have a choice. Either go out of business or try and pay this thing back. So they said, we'll pay it back because we have such belief in our product and, and in our uh, thing. And that's how they... Uh, so these guys are really, really great guys. And uh, 
Definitely a tip of the hat, man. I mean, they're making their money back with Sound of Freedom. I think the thing's made about 150 million. I'm sure it'll go to like 200, 250. It wasn't expensive. It's an indie film. $15 million to make it. Wow. Crazy. Mission Impossible's losing money. That one's losing money. Yeah. Oh, so many Disney. And now they're going to release, Disney's going to release Haunted Mansion, which costs like 150 million to make. That thing's going to go. That's interesting because that's already available on Disney Plus. Not only it's that, already streaming. it's the Eddie Murphy movie from 2003. Yeah. He made this. Yeah. I don't know why they'd remake this. Well, it's a sequel. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but I, I, made my, I heard it just sucks. I made my kids watch the first one. Okay. Which, by the way, for adults, so stupid. But for like a four-year-old <laughs> and a seven-year-old, oh, it was shit. perfect. It was perfect. Yeah. I was like, all right, I see why Eddie did this. Because Benny's like, I want to see a scary movie. I was like, let's watch Haunted Mansion before you start watching your real shit. Yeah. But he's really big into Shark Week, so. That's his thing? Yeah. Yeah, he's really, he got really into it this this year. This is Benny is into sharks now. Now he is. He's always been into them, but that now makes he's makes a lot of like, sense, though. So I is he, really like, cool him. going into the ocean? Or does he get freaked out? Oh, no, dude. We were, uh, so, a couple weeks ago, it was Benny's birthday. He turned seven, right? <laughs> turned seven uh, two weeks ago. Happy birthday, And boy. Uh, we're at the beach, and he's, you know, he can swim, and he's doing a good job, and the mm-hmm. waves are getting pretty big, and I was like, hey, buddy, you know, dumb dad moment. Right. I'm like, hey, buddy, when this wave comes in, just reach out right. and kick your legs. Right. Maybe I overestimated how good of a swimmer he was. Oh, no. Dude, that wave came in, and it took him, oh, and it shit. fucking spun him around and turned him. He gets up scared, yeah. crying. Yeah. So I grab him. I'm like, relax, relax. He's like, ah. but it, dude, he's like, his lip is bleeding. Yeah. His man. chest, like he ate it fucking hard. Wow. So I took him to the shower area, rinsed him off real quick. Right. He came back down. I was like, you ready to go back in? He's like, yeah. He's like, just, just don't do that again. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was like, I'll never do it again. So we did get him a boogie wow. board. Oh, so good, he's got good. a boogie board. He got one for his birthday. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, we were out there all all That's, day. It's a fucking great day. And it's good because it's like... Jersey Shore is yeah. awesome. Yeah, we were in Belmar. It wasn't that busy. And the thing is... Got to go sister, during the week. Yeah. yeah, it was Thursday. Yeah. My sister and I love being in the ocean. Like stuff likes going in the water. Yeah, but like the my water sister is and I, nice. Holy shit, it's beautiful. When my sister and I were kids, you know, we had a we had a pool where we lived and uh we'd be there from open till close. Yeah. And we would become friendly with the lifeguards and we we're like, hey, if nobody comes for adult swim, can we stay in? And they'd be like, sure, but if somebody shows up. That was up, the move? I didn't even know that was the move. Would yeah. they get the kids out just so the adults can get in? Yeah, six, seven, oh, six, six to seven PM was adult swim. Wow. So we would just hand be like, hey, if nobody comes, can we stay? And they'd be like, yeah, yeah, you guys are all right. But then, you know, 6.15, there'd be that one old lady, and you'd have to, like, get out. Because she needs the pool to swim her fucking four laps. It's like, take it easy, Michael Phelps. Right. So like, get out of here. This is my time. This is. Is that adult swim? Yeah. <laughs> There's kids here. Well, yeah, they just can't be in the pool. <sighs> Fine. It was always some old Jewish lady, too. Of course. You know, like the, like the Spanish mom would, like, bring us sandwiches and shit. Right. Like, it's okay. We can all swim. Mm. What are you trying to say, though, when you say that about the Jewish? Saying old Jewish ladies get very ornery. <laughs> I would totally agree with that. <laughs> I, I can't argue with that. 
I mean, sometimes my wife does things and I'm just, I literally shake my head. Like she just, I like Pookie, what are you doing? Like, I'll give you an example because Jason filmed her doing this. She has zero, zero tolerance for someone on the phone, customer service that does not speak English or has like a heavy accent. Oof. She just like, do you understand what I'm saying? Do you, do, put your put your manager on the phone. And I'm like. Newsflash, they're going to sound the same way. Pook, Pook, this call is going to India or it's going to the Philippines or it's going to somewhere. You're not going to get the uh, the whitey any longer. Nope. So. <laughs> yeah. Heavy accent. They're like, and it's always like the most like Anglo name. Yeah. It's like, you know, <laughs> this is Fred. It's like, no, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> Hello, this is Michael. This is Fernando yeah. going as Fred yeah. or something Hello, like that. this is Brenda. No, you're not. Exactly. Or like you make a joke like, hey, Brenda, how's the baby? And they're like, what? It's like, don't listen to Tupac, do you? <laughs> Having a problem with my computer. Exactly. <laughs> That's where the joke went racist. I said my computer. I should have said my Verizon. Oh, man. No. So anyway, she has a real hard time with... Uh, with uh, people that don't speak the language. Well, you know what? I did see Pookers the other day, and she looked phenomenal. She does. She's going to be 70 years old. Yeah. It's crazy. I'm banging a 70-year-old. Yeah, you are. And I still bang her. You dirty fuck. Thank you. Speaking, so speaking <laughs> of like age catching up, dude, you were here the other night. I made a, I made a reference to Spawn Ranch. I didn't even okay. know what that was. I was like, who knows who Spawn Ranch is? Who knows who Spawn that, Ranch yeah, is? Yeah, this is on Monday night. You said Yeah, it. Monday night. And uh, Yuri got it. He's like, is that Charles Manson? I was like, yeah. <laughs> so I look at, you know, Craig, one of our students. Yes. Uh, Craig Rothenberg is also an attorney at law. If you have any uh, real estate questions, The hit name him up. Craig Rothenberg rolls so nicely into attorney at law. Oh, absolutely. You know? <laughs> 100%. 100%. Um, or an accountant. Right. But, uh, exactly. Or a Hollywood movie producer. Like, well, the list goes on. <laughs> what are you dancing around? Yeah. <laughs> a Craig Rothenberg production. It's like, ooh, this is going to be a good movie. It's going to win an Academy Award. Yeah. So, I mean, it also sounds good with like, and uh, Rabbi Craig Rothenberg gave the sermon at so Oh, that sounds really nice. <laughs> Doesn't it? Who's doing the bris? Rabbi Craig Rothenberg. Right, there you oh, go. he's a good brisser. Is that what you call him? The moil. He's a good moil. So, see, I got that. You really do. So, you haven't lived till you've held the baby, though. Now, fuck. I've held two babies while they're getting snipped. Oh, God. That's. I had to turn away. I can't watch. I can't watch. It's really, really tough to watch. Brutal. So, so I know that Craig is in his early 40s. Yes, yes. I know this. Mm -hmm. I know this. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Let me rephrase this. That looks fantastic for his age, by the way. Listen, I know. His age. All right. Which is why when I made this joke, uh-huh. I made the joke knowing his age. Mm-hmm. Here's the fuck up. I apparently don't know my age. <laughs> and I'm slowly <laughs> starting. his age. Dude. <laughs> I make a joke. I'm like, Craig, I can't believe you didn't know that. He's like, no. I was like, dude, that's like your fucking era. You were no, around in the 60s. He was too young. He goes, no, I wasn't. And I was like, yeah, you were because again, Even in my I'm head, too young for that. Listen, but in my head, he's forty three. Right, he was around back then. He goes, I was born in nineteen eighty, and I'm like, what? <laughs> huh? Because in my head, the sixties was still 
40 years ago. <laughs> right. Oh, I get what you're saying. Okay. So I haven't accepted that it's not 2005 yeah. anymore. 60, it was 60 years ago now. 60 years ago. Yeah. 60 years ago. Yep. Because I haven't realized that when I was born was almost 40 years ago. It's hard, Roy. When I, I look in the mirror and I see this beautiful beard and luscious hair, I'm like, how am I almost 40? It goes by like that. Too fast. It really does, brother. Too fast. I, I, was, to talking, I was talking to uh, Alan Cardella tonight, and he was saying how- I think he just turned 50, right? Yeah, he just turned 50. Yeah. He was saying how like he'll watch a movie, and he's like, oh, yeah, American Pie is a good movie. He's like fairly new. <laughs> yeah. And then it's like, he's like, dude, American Pie came out 22 years ago. And yeah. I'm like, oh, God. God, <laughs> but like Steph told me something. She's like, think about it. like when we watch a movie like American Pie, that's like when we were kids watching. You know, it's a wonderful life with our parents. Yeah, it's around that same age. We're someone, like, oh, someone made this comment that I just really, really sunk in. In like 1975, you were what 30 years outside of World War II at that point. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's 30 years. 30 years from 1975 is 2005. We are 20 years beyond that. Yeah. And we think of it like it, like it just happened. Dude, we are, let, let's, let's take this a step further. We are 20 years away from World War II being 100, 100 years, years old. Yeah. What? That's my point. It's strange. Yeah. It's strange, man. But then it makes you realize like how things that happened historically really weren't that, that long, long ago. ago. Yeah. Rogan always talks about that. Yeah, yeah. He's like, can we talk about like, you know, the... Declaration of Independence. He's like, that was three people ago. <laughs> kind of, yeah. You know what? That's really weird. He's like, that, that was that, three people ago. It's yeah. He's that, like, there's there's your mom, your grandma, your great grandma, your great great grandma. He's like, that's three four people ago. That's all it yeah. was. And you're like, holy jeepers. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it seems like it's four, like ancient history. That yeah, shit. Dude, like like realistically, four people ago, I was going to temple in Spain. With my yeah. Sephardic brethren. You were. You That's were. That's wild. And then they kicked your ass out and, and you went to Puerto Rico or Brazil, yeah. wherever they wherever you landed. And then they made a group of people. And then they made a group of people yeah. and then you uh, And then there were some Mayan warriors. And then they <laughs> made a group of people I don't and then think your size just doesn't like lend itself to that fact. I think you were strictly Spanish. No, I have a lot of uh you my grandma Indian, was uh, well, my grandma was from El Salvador, so I have the indigenous people of Central America. But aren't they kind of short? They're small, but they're angry. Oh, fucking A. Did you ever see this? There was a movie by um, Apocalypto. Never seen it because I've heard it's absolutely brutal. Oh, my God. Is that brutal? Yeah. Watch that movie, folks. Really, really brutal. Or don't. Well. If you don't want to see people get <laughs> eaten alive. Well, it's just like everyone has this picture of like the Aztecs, the, the Mayans, and the Incas as being like peace-loving. Uh-uh. Fucking warriors. Yeah. Dude. Same thing with like the American... Uh, Native Americans, they were just like the Comanche. I read a book called The uh, Kingdom of the Sun or something like that. Well, that's why even like if you think about brutal, think about something like jujitsu, right? Mm -hmm. Like, well, think about where it became popular. It 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 started in Japan, right? That's a that's a culture embedded in oh, totally martial Budo culture. Yeah, martial is the perfect word. Then it makes its way to Brazil, yeah, right, where you have these warrior tribes, and it's mm. and now it made its way to America, right, right. Especially like East Coast specifically, where you have like the old, like, you know, old America, you know, that revolutionary war, yeah, yeah, yeah. independent war, all that stuff. Independent war, what the fuck is that? We're big um, on self-defense though in, in the United States. That's why we have the Second Amendment and all that stuff. I mean, we're big on that. Yeah. So it's like, it, it almost, it found its way. 
You know, it's a way that it resonates with yeah. certain people. It's just very interesting when you think oh, about absolutely. that. Oh, absolutely. I'd love the whole idea of DNA and genetics because I feel like as much as you are you, mm-hmm. there's so many little things <laughs> that helped make you you. I still got to do that. I, I really, uh, I just, I'm sure I got Cossack blood in me because, uh, I mean, there used to be a thing in the Jewish religion that you are Jewish based on who your father is. Okay. okay. Like a lot of cultures have that. But because there was so much like rampant raping that went on, mm. they made it no, you are suddenly Jewish through your mother. Oh, and because that way you absolutely know who your mother was. Yeah. But you don't know who your dad was. That's true. So I'm sure I got some Cossack blood in me and you know it was a interesting time back then. You gotta do it. Pretty brutal. It's worth it. Yeah. Yeah. I found out I was Jewish. It was great. Well, we love you, baby. I'm, I'm proud to be one. <laughs> I love it. It's, it's not a Shanda. <laughs> Such a great scene. Such a great scene. This is a Shanda. <laughs> Larry. Oy vey, Larry. Oy vey. <laughs> this is a Shanda, Larry. By the way, Shanda means a disgrace. Like in Italian, it would be disgrazia. So, Interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's a quick clip from Kirby Enthusiasm where Larry David outs his lawyer for pretending to be Jewish. Nice. All right. So here's the, uh, because we are starting super late yeah. tonight, I'm going to really get right to the subject. Here we go. I'm a, I was a psych major in college. Okay. So I'm always digging on, uh, you know, human mental behavior and this and that. And we touched on the idea of your mindset. Okay. But. I had mentioned it in terms of whenever I lift weights and I throw up like, I don't know, on the machine and I'll throw up a heavy amount, like let's mm-hmm. say 250, whatever it is. Okay. I'm imagining it at 100 pounds and it just makes, I don't know, in my mind, I'm able to do it a lot easier. Hmm. So in terms of the mindset, in terms of BJJ, I think when you, like when you roll with somebody, do you have the mindset that like, I can take this guy no matter what. Like, do you think Gordon steps on the mat saying, there's nobody in the world that can beat me? And I that do. allows you to think clearly as you're rolling. I, I think it. so I think for everyone it's different things, right? Mm-hmm. So for me, because I can't answer for Gordon, you know, maybe we'll get the chance to ask him in the near future. Wink, Who wink. Knows? Wink, wink. Um, so for me, it took me a long time, especially with, with jujitsu and grappling to find the right mindset because I would try to use the mindset that I had when I played football, which was what? Oh, for football, I would just convince myself that I was the baddest motherfucker. motherfucker. Okay. This is what I'm talking about. Okay. Like I would stand in front of the mirror and I would just look at myself I always be like, you're a bad. And it wasn't like an angry vibe. Like, I was never that no, guy. I was like, like nobody was like, can fucking touch like, me. Like, yeah, it was like, we're going to go out there and we're going to really fucking impact people's lives. Like, we're going to create right. some trauma tonight. Like, I really wanted to like, so like some people want to inflict physical pain. I wanted to inflict emotional pain. Like, I wanted you to go home and go to sleep and then wake up tomorrow and still think about what I fucking did to you. And how it just really ruined your like your life. Right. Like you're you're not going to go to college and play football now because of what I just did to you. Like I want to destroy your dreams. I want to wow. I want you to take those dreams. That's that you what have I'm talking about. That's and exactly show you what that I'm it's not about. real. Um, that's what, <laughs> that was that was my that was my mindset. That's what it was. That was my mindset. Uh, but in order to do that, I could be a little reckless and I could be a little careless. Football is a great sport where you can be reckless and careless and get away with it. 
not the case with jujitsu. If you get too reckless and too careless, you are going to pay for it. So with jujitsu, I really had to find this like calm spot where it's like, I know what I know. I do what I do. It's not going to be stopped. But it couldn't be like, I'm going to fucking... So you don't say to yourself, no matter who you're rolling with, this guy's just a white belt in my mind. No, I just... I What I tell myself is, I'm going to do what I do and you can't stop it. Okay. Same sort of mindset. In other words, yeah. I'm so above you skill-wise yeah. that nothing you can do is going to be able to yeah, stop me. Yeah, but here's where I go wrong. Uh, this has always been my downfall with like jujitsu and competition. It's... I always let the one thing that I know I'm weak at creep into my head. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, this guy's not going to stop me. I just, I can't give up my leg. Oh, and then it fucking, now that becomes the focus. And yeah. that's been years of just like, why are you even thinking about that? And that's then, a golf then, thing too. In other yeah. words, people like poke the ball, like you have a water hazard in front of you. You know, don't think about the water hazard. Just think about getting it onto the green people poke it into the uh the water yep. hazard every freaking time your mind and your body create this reality yeah. you know i remember from my mma fight my biggest the one thing i couldn't stop thinking about is what if i get knocked out what if i get knocked out what if i get i was so scared about it that right. even though i was training that's all i would think about and i got knocked out wow. where what i should have but now i should have known better because i remember doing a competition one time and uh I remember just game planning that first match mm. and I would, I would play it in my head every night. And I remember on the drive down there, uh, I was driving with one of my teammates at the time and he's like, how do you think today's going to go? And I was just like, I'm going to get the takedown, land in half guard, pass the half guard, get to side control, knee on belly, right. finish with a, finish with a Kimura. And he's like, and sure enough, the first match I had that day, less than a minute. And that's how it went. Beautiful. Because I just, I'd seen it and I believed it. Then the next matches were a little tougher. I was able to win them. It was a great day for me. Right, right. But, uh, you know, the the mindset and the visualization. Because if you do it a million times in your head, right. eventually your mind do- can't differentiate between real memories and fake memories. So when it's happening in real life, it truly believes it's already done it. Right. Because you really have to believe it. And I was talking about this with my sister today. You know, she was about manifestation. And I'm a big believer in manifestation. I don't think you can just be like, I want to do this and it's going to happen. No, I believe that you have to believe with every fiber of your being right. that it's not just going to happen. It's meant to happen. It's destined to happen. And then put the work behind it. That's right. my belief. I don't think you can just believe in something. So I told her, I was like, you know. Certainly without not having a game plan. No, well, you got a lot of people who are like, you just got to manifest it. And it's like, no. well, you can't just like wish into the air. Yeah. But I remember when we were opening up the school. And I would tell Steph, I'm like, we're going to open up in the small school so I can open up a big school in there. And I would point to this building and it was still empty. And I would drive here some nights, you know, after everybody left, I, I would drive here and I would look through the windows. I'm like, my school's going to be there. I'm going to put my mats here. Not I would. I'm going to. I'm going to put the mats there. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. Right. Now. Then I would, you know, every now and then they leave the door open and I'd come in and I'd stand right there where the mats are and I would teach a class, I would go through the warm-ups wow. and I would see everyone jogging. I would I would visualize, I'm like, this is what we're gonna do here. So that by the time I signed the lease and I moved everything in, it didn't feel like, oh my God, I did it. It's like, no, this was where I was, I've already been here before. Yeah. You know, I've shown you the pictures of the- You're just executing the plan now. I'm already executing the plan. And even though to some people it's like, it's a dream. I'm like, I don't think it's a dream. I think it's a reality. Yeah. And I said this to my sister, I was like, 
I was like, you know, I'm just waiting for my moment. I'm waiting for it to happen. I'm waiting for this to happen. She yeah. goes, but you're, that's not manifestation. I was like, yes, it is. I was like, you think I'm waiting for life to happen. I was like, I look at life like I'm on my way to the restaurant. I'm just looking at the menu online, decide what I'm going to eat when I get there. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, because I'm going. I'm on my way. I know I'm going to eat the meal. I'm just getting myself ready for when it happens. The mindset for jiu-jitsu has to be kind of the same way. You have to truly believe that you're going out there to eat your meal. You have to know that you're going to execute your game plan. You, right, you have right. to believe it. Otherwise, you know, it's very dangerous and you can lose. Now, you can have that same mindset and still lose, but... uh once you let that doubt creep in, it, it, it's awful. I think, like, I was watching a match the other day. It was it was with Isaac Mitchell and um, Harry Gretsch. Harry is known as a Kimura guy to the point that he is called Harry Kimura. Okay. Okay. So he's rolling with this kid. I think Isaac's super tough, by the Isaac way. Isaac is extraordinarily tough. Uh, he was a brown belt at the time, I believe. And Harry caught the Kimura three times. And he just kept going to it, kept going to it, kept going to it. It kind of reminded me of Gordon's uh, 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 match against, uh, I forgot the guy he lost to. Oh, uh, Le- uh, Leandro Lowe. Okay. And it reminded me how Gordon kept going for the two-on-one on the arm, kept going for it, kept going for it to, to try and do it. And there has to be a plan B to this whole thing, but because you have made this game plan, and guys like Gordon have become successful because they follow the game plan, is there like a moment of doubt that creeps into your mind? This shit ain't working kind of thing. So uh, it's interesting you say that. I, and that's kind of uh, Floyd Mayweather's alluded to that where he says he doesn't like the game plan. He says he doesn't even watch tape of the yeah. other guys. He likes to go in there and execute his game plan. Right. And then read you once he's in there, which I kind of like. It's really difficult to do. It, though. You've got to be very, very good yeah. to be able to do that. John Jones is another one. They always talk about how John Jones makes the best in-ring adjustments. You know, John Jones' first round is typically very boring. But then by the time halfway through the first round, second round comes around, he's figured out what you're doing. Right, right, right. You know, that's a very high, you know, IQ. That's a very high, you know, combat IQ. Yeah. You know, not everyone has that. But I will say this. there's nothing worse than when you expect something to go a certain way and it doesn't and you don't have a plan B. Right. Because sometimes you go with the game plan and the game plan doesn't work. Right. And then, then the whole match gets away from you. It gets away from you because you're trying to figure out what to do now. Yeah. Uh, I'll give you an example. When Ricardo, Ricardo Almeida fought Kendall Grove. Mm-hmm. It was in Philadelphia. So at the time it was kind of like our home, you know, it was like a home game because, right. you know, we're in Jersey. And you know, Ricardo had no intention of losing that fight. None at all. I can't remember if it was the first round or second round, but Kendall locks in a brutal arm bar. I'm talking about, you know, Kendall Grove is six foot six. Yeah, he was a big, long, yeah. lean guy. A long, lean guy. He's Hawaii got guy. Yeah. ankles crossed, knees pinched, belly down. It's kind of like a belly sideways, hyper extended. And you see Ricardo's arm going white. Oh, shit. And it's like, ooh, this is tight. Ricardo's able to create some space, wiggles out, gets out. I remember when he came to practice, he said, man, it was tight. But I remember thinking, I'm not losing this fight. I'm going to wait for it to pop. And then when (laughs) it pops, I'll wiggle it out and then just finish the round and try to pop it back in. So it's like that was his mindset. 
And you see this a lot with jiu-jitsu guys, especially the old school jiu-jitsu guys who create that mindset of no matter what happens, I will not tap. Right. I'm, I'm going out on my shield. And that's why you'll get the guys like, you know, like when Henzo got his, you know, elbow dislocated. No intention of tapping. When you see uh, Nogueira against Frank Mir. Right. Yeah, okay? yeah, yeah. This is a guy who, and especially with that Americana, was it Americana or Kimura? I thought it was the mirror lock that he caught him with. Oh, no, no, no I know you're talking about. Yeah, it was a Kimura. It was a Kimura. Yeah. Um, Nogueira knew he wasn't getting out. He knew that was in. He literally just relaxed at the final second and accepted that I'm not going to be able to get out of this. Break it. Yeah. Like that is a- I'd rather go out on my shield. Very, oh my God. And that and when I first started Jiu-Jitsu, that was the mindset they would put in. <laughs> I'm we sure. don't tap, we don't tap. I remember I had my shit. I'll show you a picture after this. Uh, Twisted up. You can see like the elbow going white. And I was right. just like, it's going to break. And I remember you just, you do the math. You're like, okay, if this breaks six weeks, I'll be back by you know September. <laughs> you know, that's how you did it. I remember Henzo saying that. Like I forget when it, I think it was the Sakuraba match. He talks about that. Where he's like, oh, you know what? It breaks, you know, in six weeks, it'll be back to normal. But, and, you know, when you've been training jujitsu, and the, let this be a lesson for the young bucks, you're going to get injured. It's part of the process. Right. The longer you train jujitsu, the less impacted you are by these injuries as far as time. Like when you first get hurt as a white belt, you're like, oh my God, I got him in three weeks. Right, right, right. By the time you're like brown belt, black belt, you're like, nah, fuck, three weeks. Yeah. It's nothing. You go through it, it sucks. But you go right through. Like, I'm not going to be able to train for a week. And, like, at this point, I'm like, nah, a week. It's it's basically a day in my head. Like, by the time I'm able to get back and train, it's going to be good to go. That's awesome. Another side of mindset that I found interesting is you when you first start in BJJ, you have that initial fear. Then you have your first small accomplishment. Maybe it's a tapping or maybe it's surviving, something like that. Then you're getting used to it, and then you start to win. Is that the, the sort of progression? 100% and I think it's not just the progression of uh, that it's it's also understanding what the victories are like you just said you have that's your a first, great point I need to think about that you have your first you know taste of hey I'm, I'm actually learning this okay it's not going to be a tap all right you think it is when you first sign up you take your first class you're like I can't wait to submit someone and then you realize very quickly like oh I'm not going to submit someone for a while. So what can you look at as a small victory? Here's a small victory. The first time you're able to do five technical lifts without gassing during the warm-up. Or the first time you're able to do the whole warm-up without gassing. Or the first time you do a break fall for a position. Or the first time the coach goes, all right, everybody line up. Uh, person on bottom, get in full guard. And you know what that means. Oh, right. That's a good point. You're like, holy shit. That's a cool point. Yeah. You know, and it, and it gets to the point where. Like I'm speaking the lingo now. Yeah. And then even better, if you're at a school that's doing it the right way, you forget what it was like when you didn't know how to do it. Mm. You're like, there's a time I didn't know how to break fall. There's a time I didn't know how to lock half right. guard. Yeah. Like, oh my God, there was a time I never let this leg come over and hook. I would just let it hang. Like, ew, why? Because you didn't know. Yeah. You know, so it's those small victories. You know, the first time you do the bridge, the first time you can shrimp, yeah. right? That's a small victory. You're like, holy shit, I'm, I'm shrimping right now. I remember like in the warm-ups, you'd shrimp and I'd be like, why are we doing this? Like, I never use this. And then I realized now, fucking A, you use it all the time all and you don't time. even realize it. It's all part of your time. whole hip movement. It's everything. You know, I was dealing with the uh, Big Rob, the new uh, the chess master. Mm-hmm. 
And, uh, you know, he's what a great guy, by the way. Oh, come on. Such just a nice another guy. of in, in a long line of great guys that are joining this uh, school. But uh, he's just beginning to realize now. And I said, when you shrimp out, I want it to be somewhat violent. I want it to be a serious movement of yeah. your hips. You're trying to get the hell out of here. Exactly. Yep. And he's just beginning to get that. But it's, it's like dawning on him recently that that's uh, how it's done. Yeah. Well, it's great because he was in class uh, on Monday. And I was really trying to utilize him. Right. Because I wanted to really make a connection. Especially because, you know, he's he's a newer white belt. Right. But you can tell that he's really into it and likes Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Great dude. So I wanted to show people, and I could use him as well, but I wanted to show everyone just how, you know, cerebral jujitsu really is. So I would ask him questions like question, what do you what do you what is your main goal in chess? Right. And how do you accomplish that in chess? And then he said like, you know, by using a you know, creating misdirection and, mm-hmm. you know, forcing reactions. I was like, say forcing that again. Reactions. Yep. He's like, you want to force a reaction? I was like, interesting. Because I say that all the time. Jiu-Jitsu right. is forcing reactions. Like, my goal is to get the submission. That's checkmate. Right. It's done. There's nothing you can do. You're dead. Same thing with chess. You know, he said, you know, eliminating space. You don't want too much space on the board. I'm like, oh, interesting. No space. When else don't we want space? So it was really great for everyone to realize that he's talking about chess I'm talking about jujitsu. Jujitsu is very cerebral. You have to think two, three, four steps ahead. One little mistake can really set you back a long way. Then for him, it's my way of connecting with this newer student and saying like, hey, you know how to play this game. Yeah, absolutely. You just don't know the moves yet, but you will. That's a really, really good allegory. Absolutely. Another mindset, dealing with the adversity of things. And I was thinking about Wim Hof. How the fuck does he like deal with the cold? You know, like jumping into a cold pool or this and that. That's a mindset too, in that some people say, oh, I'm just diving into a warm bath. Or some people say, I've been here, I could deal with this cold. Like, what is the adversity aspect of mindset in uh, jujitsu? So, and you know, I kind of talked about this tonight, where I was saying, you know, everybody in here that's trained jujitsu has suffered at some point. Mm. Um and maybe your lives are a little bit better, or maybe you're missing something. But deep down, you kind of miss that suffering. You kind of miss that <laughs> yeah, struggle. You did say that. I was like, you know, and, and it's part of us. You know what I mean? If you grew up with a hard lifestyle as a kid, right? Right. All right, you you just so you make it, you get drafted, become a superstar. Something inside you is still gonna miss that struggle. Uh, I just finished listening to a book about on BTK. And the detective said that after they caught him, he found himself missing the chase. (laughs) What a piece of garbage. You know, he said, you know, well, because like tracking him down had become such a big part of his life. Oh, that's what he was trying to. The detective. Okay. You know, it would become such a big part of his life. You know, looking leads. Oh, I thought you were talking about the fact that he he like would like murder no 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 no. older people and no no, whatever what he was saying no the the detective missed the the back and forth with the detectives oh i got it no not btk the actual detective said that after they put the cuffs on him and they put uh they missed that chase he it it became such a part of his life yeah you know the long hours that when it was over it was like now what <laughs> where's my next serial killer yeah, well, I need it, to it, track took, down. it took such a big part of their life and he's like you yeah. know and it was such a great I get that I can see that and, and it's kind of like 
that happens in jujitsu too, right? I think I feel like that happens with everyone's struggle in life. Yeah. You know, you finally make it and you're living the life, and then people find a way to make their life a little bit more interesting. Well, yeah, you look for the next mountain to climb. Yeah, and I think jujitsu for a lot of people is that. I just saw a clip today with Anthony Bourdain, you know, right. where he started when he first started training. And he said it feels good for his age to be back at square one in something. That's interesting. He's like, to feel the way he felt when he was that 19-year-old guy in the kitchen learning all these new mm. things in a world where it's a very high-level world and you're fucking up on very basic things. Right. But then you get it right and you're like, yeah. Yeah. Maybe I You got build this. your little accomplishments one by one by one. You know, I, I think there's something to be said to it. I, I've said that as well as when we talked about Elon and all these high-profile people right. who are doing jiu-jitsu. I'm like, they want something that's real yeah. and raw. You know, like if you're rolling with the black belt and you're Elon Musk and you're ripping Kimuras right out the gate, something's got to let you know, yeah. like, this isn't real. Plus, the guys you're going with are going to have a little bit of an ego. So they're not going to just let you fucking... Exactly. I don't care if you're fucking Elon Musk. <laughs> Fuck out of here. <laughs> Put this fucking work on you, boy. <laughs> and he kind of mumbles back at you. I understand what you're yeah. doing with my arm here, but. Yeah. But he's so rich. He's probably got privates <laughs> from like fucking Gordon. It's like. Well, that, was got, the, that was the Zuckerberg really good, thing. really fast. <laughs> that was the Zuckerberg thing, too. Yeah, dude. I mean, they can afford it. <laughs> exactly. Another mindset. I think I mentioned this before. And this helped me with sort of my dad because like i said i could never talk to him uh it didn't i didn't start feeling better about it until i started thinking of myself as a boss when i talk to people it, it helps me mindset wise to imagine i'm better not necessarily like i'm a better human being but i'm just better at this than they are and it allows me to be kind of calm in the way i speak it, it allows me to be myself that's you ever have that? Like when you're a teacher and you're giving training, you got to have, like, you know, your material so cold that you walk in there like a king shit. So here's, it's so funny you say that. I'm actually the exact opposite. Really? Yeah. With other instructors. Now, this is interesting. I'm doing a little bit of self-observation. With other instructors, I have no problem reminding them that I am king shit. Okay. I will absolutely absolutely let the other instructors at my job know like I, I do like I do this. But with the students, I don't do that. Because I feel like that's not conducive to their learning. Where I come out and I'm like, I know this, I'm fucking great, blah, blah, blah. Right, right, right. Because now they're like, well, he's so good at it. I do the opposite. I tell them I'm like, the only difference between me and you is that I sat in that chair 10 years ago. Yeah. But if you do what I tell you to do, you'll be better than I am. Right. So I let them know, like, I was you. I am you, just with more time. And I do the same thing here. I talked about it tonight with uh, with Jack. I saw this great clip on, uh, on Instagram. I think uh, my boy Jesus Malaga from House of Salt BJJ posted it. And... Uh, by the way, you posted the worst fucking video. I can't stand that video you posted of the guy abandoning his dog. Oh, dude. How brutal is that video? I just wanted to fucking kill that guy. Dude. First of all, when the dog starts chasing the yeah. car, oh, broke my fucking heart. That poor fucking dog. Dogs are like the sweetest things on the planet. That poor dog yeah. was probably so like confused and like 
yeah heartbroken because they get sad of course or, or when these morons that when the dog gets old they surrender the dogs to like a shelter and the poor thing has to be in a cage the rest of its days until they fucking ace it no oh my god it's brutal but and, horrible. and I'm really trying to get a dog right now dogs <clears throat> are the fucking best except to my boss my <laughs> wife so he posted this video and it's like you know this one guy walks into a school and it's a black belt, you know, standing there. And like the guy walks in. He's like, hello, professor. He's like, oh, then, like, <laughs> He's doing yeah. the, uh, And then the guy, like, you know, bows and then walks. Like the know, taekwondo the, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sensei kind of shit. And then the next clip, like, the guy walks in. He's like, hey, what's up, Mike? And the guy's like, professor, Mike. <laughs> right. And he's like, excuse me, professor. And then the last clip, the guy walks in. He's like, hey, what's up, pussy? He's like, yo, what's up, cocksucker? <laughs> but like, he's wearing the black belt and like a yeah. hat. And like, like, while I think that third one is a very big exaggeration, because you do want to show some respect, I don't like the, you know, you have to respect me automatically because I have a black belt. Mm. And I was saying this to Jack tonight. I was like, listen, my black belt, the only respect that black belt should get is acknowledgement that I've been doing this longer than you. I've put in my time and you should probably shut the fuck up every now and then. Yeah. I should not be worshipped. I should not be like, oh, he's the fucking end all be all. Even here. I was like, the other thing that you guys should respect me for here is just the fact that it's my school. Period. Right. At the end of the this day, is this is my, my place. Home. Yeah, yeah, this is my place of business. And if I don't like you, get the fuck out of here. Right. What I don't want is that idealization because I'm the black belt here. Yeah. Where yeah, I was yeah. like, hello, professor. Hello. Like most people don't even call me professor. Like, like Alan could does the best. He's like, what's up, prof? I'm like, <laughs> like, whatever, dude. You told me this. You told me this. You said during the class, I'm professor and I yeah. totally, totally understand that. And I'm with it. But you said after class. It's just Miguel, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I call you bro all the time, but it, yeah. it's just. Yeah. yeah, or Bud. I think I called you Bud tonight. Yeah. Max calls me Professor all the time. Yeah, Manny, yeah, yeah. they all do, and I get it. See, um, I get, the, I get every now and then. Some people call me Mister Roy, and that's a little bit like weird with me. And I don't know if that's an age respect thing or is it? I don't know what it is, but it's like my next door neighbors are Indian, and I'm, and I'm always Mister Roy to them. You know? I think that's a cultural thing with them. It possibly is. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I just. I never want to just be respected because I'm like this black belt. It's or that like, you're no. old. Yeah. It's, you know, it's just like, listen, respect, if anything, respect the black belt more than me being the black belt. Right, right. Like, respect the rank. Yeah. You know, that's that's bigger for me. Like, I don't need people kissing my fucking ass and telling me how great I am. And, you know, like tonight. You could see how people get it, get uh, caught up in that whole oh, cult very, of personality oh, 100%, thing. Oh, 100%. I totally the whole see it. Cult of personality thing is just, you know. Well, tonight, for example, uh, you know, Jack was cleaning up the mats and I still had my gi. Hmm. And I was like, Jack, do me a favor, just kick that shit off the, off the mat. Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay. I was like, no, seriously, like, just kick it off. And he's like, okay. And I told him, I was like, you know, I remember when I was coming up. You know, if like one of the black belts asked you to do something or move something, you would touch you it. You like hop it to was, it, yeah. You would hop to it, but like you'd move it so gingerly. Right. Because God forbid <laughs> I like throw the black belt too hard and it's like, oh God, like it's not fucking glass. Yeah, exactly. So I told him, I was like, rather than me being like, hey, can you move that? And you being nervous, like I'm going to tell you, kick it out of the fucking way. Right, right. Now, if I don't tell you to move it and my black belt sitting <laughs> there some you, and you kick it, that's a problem. Right. Right. Don't kick my belt. I'll get pissed. Like my belt, you can throw it out the way, but don't don't fucking kick my belt. Right, right, right. The gi you can kick, but the belt, no. <laughs> but again, that's not me. It's 
the rank. Respect the fucking rank. Oh, yeah. Uh, so there's, I don't know if that answers your question. I'm fucking going on tangents tonight. No, I know you were, we're both on fumes here, but uh, we got about, I'd say about 25, because we wanted to cut it at 90 minutes. So Yeah, let's make it a quick go. one. I am curious about this, though. Open-minded versus closed-minded. Mm. You know, and I find that most people get their information especially with regards to like opinionated things like politics or religion and this and that, whatever, I don't know. Uh, they keep getting it from the same sources. And of to me, it's like to be intellectually honest. And since we're talking about mindsets, to be intellectually honest, you have to hear both sides of the fucking argument. I agree. You know, and so many people don't do that. Uh, so, well, the thing is people go looking for validation or something validation yeah. and they'll only look and you see this now with social media people will only look for sources that go with their narrative yeah it's like these are statistics on how guns save lives and they'll post an article from like you know the gun tone conservative.com it's like shocker yeah. or someone's like well here's all the dangers with eating meat and it's from like you know like your friendly neighborhood vegan.com it's like you can always find yeah. material to support your narrative and your beliefs you and your statistics that, Yeah, you can bend them any which way. So I think we got to stop. This is going to be sound crazy. We got to stop looking for these fucking statistics and numbers and science yeah. and start really just peeling it back and go to the core and just start thinking as a person, right? as a human being. Absolutely it's like, well, right. what's, what's happening with this person? Because I could love a person and not like their ideologies. Or not even like what they're doing. But yeah. I can still like the person. Um, you know, as long as they're not, you know, like, you know, fucking kids and stuff like that. But we just get so transfixed with our own. And, and we're very close-minded. I said this to someone the other day. I believe that the belief of certainty is pure ignorance. Without a doubt. That is my truest belief. I believe that if you think something is 100% true, that is the dumbest thing you can do. You know, if you're like, I truly believe with certainty there are no aliens. Hmm? Are there? Right. Are there not? I like to personally be very open-minded and believe that any possibility is possible. My one boss, he's a flat earther. He believes the earth is flat. Now, mm -hmm. do I think he's a little cuckoo? I do. <laughs> Don't necessarily agree with him. But there's a f small part of me that's like, you know what? But he could be right. Yeah. Do I think he is? No. It's like this, the guy that sits there and says, oh, there's no God. And I'm like, okay, well, what started all this? And you can't prove these things. No. You, we're not, we weren't there when this all happened. But don't be so goddamn cocky no. about it. Or, you know, say like, hey, I don't believe in God. But guess what? I could be wrong. Yeah. Or just even say like, that I like, hope I I'm could. wrong. Yeah. I'd just, like to know that there's something beyond just being worm food. Just believing that any other possibility right. is real right we saw that case in point in the last three years all these conspiracy theories yep. and people are like you don't know that you don't know that and it's like well what makes you so sure that this is effective because i know it's like do you yeah fast forward three years we're seeing a whole lot of shit seeing a whole lot of shit and a whole lot of shit is disappearing yeah. <laughs> we're not elon musk said when he bought twitter he found it amazing how many of these conspiracy theories are actually real it's wild. You know, that they were being controlled by the FBI and this and that and the other thing. The, the difference between a conspiracy theory and the truth, six months. Six months. <laughs> Is that the deal? That's the deal. 
One more thing, and then I'll get off the subject. Uh, in terms of mindset that hurts people is just, and I'm not talking about hurting people that are not you, but it hurts you when you stereotype or misjudge people mm-hmm. based on, you know, just anything, anything. Yeah. I really try not to. Um, yeah. I know, mean, don't get me wrong. Ethnic jokes are great. I oh, love, I a, love good, a good, I love a good, ethnic I love joke. a good rate. I got to send you this clip. It's like these little puppets and like, I don't know who the puppet, but like one puppet is black and one puppet is Spanish. Okay. And they just go back and forth making assumptions. Right. And he's like, well, wouldn't, wouldn't you get mad if I assumed you were eating tacos for dinner? <laughs> he's like, why? Wouldn't you get mad if I... And they just go back and forth. And then like at one point, the one puppet was like, that uh, that that One Direction joke was really good. He's like, yeah, you really got me with that watermelon one. That was funny. I tried not to laugh. <laughs> and it's like, there's these puppets, but it's like, that's hilarious. That sounds Because they're being funny. very brutally racist, but then like that one was kind of good. You know, and I think you gotta we, love it, man. I think sometimes you got to, you know, put your feelings aside and just realize like not everything's meant to be hurtful. Right. Uh, but going back to what was the original question? Just misjudging people by stereotype and forgetting man, the jokes about that this. Is, just that's a great way to just yeah. make your life fucking boring. Yeah. Boring. Yeah. You know, I try to find out everything other than the person. You know, I try to find everything but, you know, it's the old content politics and religion. Of, it's the old content of character rather than skin color or this, that, and the other thing. Like, just to me, I don't judge people on who they are or what color they look like or what they look like. I judge whether you're an asshole or not. Hundred percent. That is my sort of my, my divining line. Hundred. You know, I will sit there and say, "Are you a fucking jerk or are you a decent human being?" And that's the way I raise my kid and just be a good person. I don't care what else you accomplish in life. Just be a good human being. Yeah. I, a good factor on how, if someone's a good person, I just go to a restaurant with someone <laughs> without a doubt. You'll learn a lot about that person. <laughs> I hate to say it. I married somebody that just fucking embarrasses me in the restaurant. Oh, I, I keep, I don't mean to bust on her. She's the most golden hearted person in the world. My wife, but it's like, just stop. Yeah. Just leave her ass at home. <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, man, some of the things that I've dealt with when I was a waiter, and I, I still very much pay attention to people when we go out to eat. Mm. Yeah. You know, <laughs> there was one person, I'm not going to say who, but like when we left, I told my wife, I was like, did you notice how many times she asked the waiter to do stuff? And Steph's like, oh, I know. You told the story. I remember. I was you. like, but did you notice how many times she said thank you? Zero. Because <laughs> they're the help. Yeah. They're the help. Yeah. I used to hate fucking people like that. Yeah. Just run you all day. It's, no thank you. Just like, I didn't even want the fucking tip. So when Purposely you, forget to put shit in. All right. But but let's now be real about this. Okay. When you see someone of a different ethnicity, mm-hmm. of course it runs through your mind, the stereotypes. 100%. Because we're all freaking human here. Okay. I'm going to tell you a great story about this. Yeah. Gentleman I worked Go, with. Babe. Gentleman I worked with. Uh, a black gentleman. Now, this is why when I was a waiter, I would really try not to stereotype based on race. Because you're going to impact your money no matter what. Mm-hmm. Like if I saw like, you know, uh, you know, stereotype, black people don't tip. Another stereotype, old people don't tip. They're the fucking worst. Uh, and there's a bunch of them in the restaurant right. industry. Right. You know? You know, I could go all of them. People get pissed, but it's like, let's go to a restaurant. Yeah, it is fucking, what it is. A lot of exactly. them are fucking true. Exactly. Um, 
So I would never get like a table of color or old people or, you know, anything else and be like, oh, they're not going to fucking tip and give them shit service. I would always give them the same fucking service so that if I did get a shitty tip, it's like, hmm, at least I did my fucking job. Right. But if I gave them good service, now I could get a good tip. They could tip me accordingly. Right. Because here's the thing. They're aware of those stereotypes. They know those stereotypes exist. Right. So if a person of color or a black person goes into a restaurant and you treat them like shit, they know it's because you don't think they're going to tip. Right, right. Okay. So guess what they're not going to do now? They're not going to tip. They're not going to tip. Right. And then you're going to say, I knew they weren't going to tip. No, you created so, that. Exactly. But now the person who doesn't tip because you treated them like shit is like, well, now I'm going to give you what you thought you were going to get you continue to get that stereotype going and it becomes this vicious cycle. Gentleman I work with made this post on Instagram about how, or on Facebook, how he went to a restaurant in Atlantic City and the waiter gave him shit service. He goes, I know he treated me that way because I was black and he didn't think I was going to tip. And when I read that, I was like, you're probably 100% 100%, right. Absolutely. I'm not even going to argue that. You're probably right. He goes, so when the check came out, I made sure I proved him right and I left a coupon. And I'm like, that's where you fucked up because (laughs) you played into that stereotype played into that stereotype and here's the problem you could have tipped him very well yeah and he would have felt like a piece of shit and been like damn and now guess what the next time a black person comes in he would have given them better service because he would remember that time he was fucking wrong but it also goes the other way here all he did was fuel it it also goes the other way and we're not just you know like going one direction as far as uh, blacks because they have their own stereotypes about whites 100% <laughs> like Deion 100%. Sanders there's this great video now of Deion Sanders talking with Peyton Manning mm-hmm. and Peyton Manning says I just uh, you know I want you to teach me how to be the best cornerback or the best D-back that's there he goes well your first problem is that you're white so <laughs> in other words and they said this about Larry Bird as well yeah okay in other words the stereotypes run both ways oh 100% but and, I'm talking about specifically about like in a restaurant but okay let's let's I'm glad you brought that one up one of the best running backs in the NFL right now is Christian McCaffrey. CMC. Yeah. Who dropped in the draft. And analysts would say it. Because it was, it was white and guy. it was typically the black analysts, because the white guys didn't want to say it. They were too fucking <laughs> That's scared. the point. But, you know, Maurice Jones Drew, <laughs> yes. you know, black running back, he goes, Christian McCaffrey's dropping because he's white. Exactly. He's like, the NFL does not want to draft a white boy running back. Mm-hmm. So but now look at that. Because they looked at him and they're like, he's a white kid. He's and they lost out on a guy like that. You lost out on a fucking great guy. Yeah. Lost out on a great guy. The only good running backs in, that are white are always fullbacks, you know? <laughs> yeah. Fucking Mike Allstop, baby. Yeah. But when you start having these preconceived notions about people and races and ideologies, it really takes away from such a beautiful thing. You meet so many incredible people and you yeah. lose these opportunities. Absolutely. We're talking about, you know, making a tip and drafting a running back. But the reality is you could lose a good friend. You could lose a good training partner. And that's what's great about these mats in jujitsu. No one gives a shit what color you are. No one gives a fuck. Or though Colin was hilarious at fight night. Oh my God. He goes, I always bet. By the way, Colin is a, a, a just 
an amazing dude, black yeah. kid that just, he was cracking me up. I say, I always bet on who has the most melanin. The most melanin. He's like, <laughs> he's like, I, I, I bet based on the melanin. And factor. he was right. The first three fights. First three fights. He was right. <laughs> he's like, of course this guy was going to win. His nickname's the black beast. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, who's going to come I said when Gaethje and uh, Poirier got into the ring, I go, who are you betting? He goes, I have nobody in this He's ring. like, I have no idea. He's like, they're both very pale. <laughs> exactly. He's like, maybe uh, maybe Dustin, he's a little bit tanner. Dude. My, listen. That is hilarious. I, listen, not to give myself credit, but I made myself laugh when Ursh was saying that in two years he could beat <laughs> Alex Pereira. I was like, dude, you're talking about beating Alex Pereira. You can't even fucking beat Manny Pereira. Like, when I said that, I was like, that was a good one. I was ready to fucking fight Ursh. I, I hate when people talk like that during fight nights. Yeah. It bothers me because it's like, you don't know what you're talking yeah. about. And like, you, they'll murder you. You do realize that after a while, I was saying, say more, say more. Say oh, yeah. Just I, to fuck with you. Yeah. I knew at one point he just kept going for no exactly. reason. And I, I, once I started getting fired up, I was like, fuck, I lost. Stop. I lost. I was like, he's just going to keep going. It was really fucking funny as shit. That's why I sent that text. I oh said, you, God. Colin, and Urch were the funniest fucking dudes. They gave me such a great laugh that Colin's night. Colin's the best. I fucking love Colin. How do you, how do you not? The kid's just... A, I, I went know. to high school with his brother. Yeah, he said he was a talented uh, football player, right? One of the smartest football players I've ever played with. Smartest football That's player another fucking with. stereotype right there. When they say they're smart in athletics or something like that. They're probably referring to a white guy, you know? Oh, yeah. No, he was... he was Like, like is it impossible to believe that there's a smart black athlete? Well, that was... I mean, that was the biggest thing on black quarterbacks for the longest time. Exactly. They're like, they're not going to be smart enough to run the playbook. Right. And, you know, they were wrong. Um, big time wrong. Big time wrong. But now look at how many, like, great foot, like quarterbacks you lost out on because you had that uh, mindset. So but true. now uh, his brother, Aaron, one of the smartest linebackers I ever played with, who's also very intelligent... Uh, overall like national honor society right, and all right. that stuff but man i just remember like the way he he'd see a play on the screen for two seconds and knew he everyone's fucking responsibility and I was like, awesome. jesus christ i was like, i don't even know what the fuck i'm doing on this play there are stereotypes that are interesting though in terms of like if you are expecting let's say professionalism like let's say you uh like isn't it weird to come across a doctor that's a real fucking goofball or a, uh, no, or a lawyer most, most that just really doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. Most doctors, I mean, are fucking dorkies. That, but I'm just saying, it's like you're expecting this sort of high level. Like my, like my wife has this thing about doctors. She just fucking like has uber respect for them. And I'm like, they're businessmen. Mm -hmm. They're running a business. Mm -hmm. Okay, the overhead. You got employees. You got nerd. They're just practicing a different type of business. Yep. So it's a harder business. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, like, you know, I mean, I'm not talking about surgeons. You don't get audited the standard... when they fuck up. You die. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I don't know, man. It, it, I just, I with my mom going through this healthcare thing, I just have lost so much respect for the healthcare industry. They don't so, give a flying fuck about what's going on with people. Some do. And it's unfortunate because yeah. sometimes you see these doctors who just kind of get, uh, they get jaded, man. You know? I think the problem is, and this is where I'm, I, shouldn't jump to conclusion it's that like when certain people get to a certain age there's nothing you can do about it there's just if they have these diseases there's nothing you could do you could just kind of make them comfortable yeah you know or, or slip them a pill or, or you know that that yeah. like takes that like try to squeeze out some juice 
Kind of. So, fuck anyway. that, man. I don't want. I don't want any squeeze juice squeezed out. Yeah, you were telling me. Fuck that. You just wanna let me see if I can quote you correctly. Just <laughs> give me a bottle of whiskey, stick me in my car, have my wife flash me her titties one last time, yeah. and send me off a cliff. Yeah. I believe the line was "Give me a line of coke." Oh, is that? <laughs> <laughs> which I've never done. So that'll be the first time I do it. Maybe that'll keep me alive. Like, fuck, I want to live. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, what have I been doing all this time? I'll end this whole thing by just saying this. Always tip your waiter. Yeah, I do all that too. I think, speaking as the elder gentleman here, um, as I get older, my, my, my memories, my mindset are very pleasant. You know, mm. even for the people that have fucked me in life, so just as a heads up to people, you really, really get this sort of sense of peace as you get older because you you just don't want hassles anymore. You don't want headaches in life anymore. Yeah, you just kind of want to chill. You just want to chill. And that's exactly what I go through a lot with. I, I don't care anymore. I'm just, I just want to be pleasant. I just, you know what I'm saying? I don't want to get revved up. I don't want, uh, I don't have the fire in the belly to get after people any longer that way. You know? I, I feel myself getting there and I'm only 30. I'm sensing that with you too. Yeah. Same thing with Tom. Yeah. Just sort of getting a peaceful aspect on things. Yeah. It's just one of those things where it's like, if I can't really control it and it's not impacting yeah. me, I don't give a fuck. Fuck it. Like, yeah. did you hear what so-and-so said about you? I don't care. Don't give a shit. You know, Tony Soprano style. I don't care about anything. Somebody doesn't have the balls to say to my face. <laughs> well, that I just don't give a fuck. And even if they did say it to my face, it'd be like, eh, whatever. It's like freeing yourself from hatred. It's like freeing yourself from all these sort of negative things. Well, you know what it is, too. You don't uh, hold least, grudges, you know? At least, yeah, and at least for me, it's like, I have so much going on. Yeah. I can't be bothered with dumb shit. Yeah. You know, even with something like a, a, as as petty as like somebody else coming to me with their problems, it's like, I can't help you. Right. I got a million of my own problems. I can't add more to this plate. You yeah, figure it out. it's just like I just want to live simply now. I, yeah. I I don't want fucking hassles, it, and it just eases a lot of pressure. I want to wake up. I want to enjoy my day. Go right, sleep, and have my coffee outside and be happy. <laughs> and also, I find that as I'm getting older, I expect less from people. You know, oh, yeah, I, I, wrote, I wrote down these sorts of things in my that you know what I'm feeling these days, and it's like I expect less from people these days. I I don't care. You know what I'm saying? It, yeah. If I see somebody with weirdo opinions, I kind of like, I, I like it because it's interesting, but I, I'm not looking to engage with them anymore and debate nah, it. Yeah. I don't want to have any conversations. I'm not trying to change yeah. your mind about it. I'm not, exactly. I you know. just don't give a shit. Yeah. I got some family members that are still like that. You know, they just, they hear something they don't like and all of a sudden they're like, well, let me tell you. And it's like, <laughs> right. it's like, you're not going to change you're their mind. Change all them. you're going to do is frustrate yourself right get yourself worked up oh, and then have everyone around you tell you to shut up it's like stop why are you arguing why it's like like who are you trying to prove this to like who cares right and then every now and then like my wife will turn to me and go don't you care about this i'm like i really don't folks it's like, I, don't. I just don't give a shit as long as they don't lay their hands on you or something like that argue it out with them well, and that's the other thing too like i feel like you get to a point where like if you've done with you've dealt with enough shit you realize like this is nothing this isn't real this is you creating something right because you're bored <laughs> there's a little of that absolutely that's a lot of what's going on with this country people creating situations because they're fucking bored yeah 
people were acting like, you know, it's a tough time in America. It's really not. It's actually a great time in America. It's an amazing time. But to it's be, so good that we're creating shit. I saw the coolest meme the other day. It said, the earth has been around for 4.5 billion years. And how lucky were you to be alive at the same time as Van Halen? <laughs> you know, and I'm just like, that is spot on. Yeah. I am just grateful that I had that chance to like be around some of the greatest musicians and this and that. That's cool to me. Speaking of, fun fact, the top three songs on Billboard 100 right now, the top three, it's never happened before, are all three country songs. Is it uh, Try That in a Small Town? That's the new Jason Aldean. The uh, second one, I know, I don't know, I forget what it was. Jelly Roll song? No, and the third one is Luke Combs' song. Uh, he did a, uh, a remake of Fast Car, the Tracy Chapman song. That's a really good song. Great song. But this is the first time country music has ever had three, the top three, ever. I wonder why that is. Oh, I know why. Tell us. Because to me as a musician, I think people are starting to walk away from songs that are that have zero uh, melody, zero harmony, zero uh, uh, chord progressions, no talent, whatever. We've had this discussion. People want that. They, they want, music. want music again. Yeah, I agree. And country music is music. It's real music. They're selling out stadiums for a reason now. And, you know. Taylor Swift. Bingo. Writing their own songs, playing their own music, producing their own music. Absolutely. I I thought that's what you were going to say. But I agree with you. I think there is a thirst for authenticity out there. Mm -hmm. And people are so tired of these mega pop stars and the same rhythmic beat. And it's just like, I saw a clip the other day and it was like, I just I was today years old when I found out Backstreet Boys used the same drum for five <laughs> yep, of their hits. Yep. And then like I saw the songs, like they played the songs, and I'm like, oh my god! It was the same like. Yep. And it's just someone like we're just gonna put this over here. That's all it is. It's like cut and paste. That's all it is, and it's just you just found this hypnotic rhythm, and you're like, okay, and you're just bopping your head and singing along, and that's. But the country music now is just. It's fucking, it's basically what pop music used to be. Oh, you but know, like thirty years, like, forty years ago. I love Jelly Roll. Right. Oh my God, he's so good. Amazing stuff. Um, he's got that one song. He's like, he's like, you know, because I only talk to God when I need a favor, mm-hmm. and I only say a prayer when I ain't got a prayer. Ah, that's so good. And it's like I'm like, fuck, man, that's heavy, yeah. but it's like. It just hits, and when he sings it, you yeah. know that he's like he's coming from a real place with that. I just found out there was a little song by Drake and The Weeknd that came out. Right. Apparently, some fucking DJ made it using AI. No, no, no. What they did, I saw this one. They used um, it was an NWA song. I forget the name of the song, but they did it in terms of uh, Hank Williams. So he's singing country, but he's doing and he's doing through AI. So, He's singing a rap song in country style. Well, so I the one it's I saw amazing. was they legit had the weekend. Oh, okay. And, I didn't see this. And then. Drake, okay. and they made a whole song. Oh, I didn't see this then. There's okay. another one that came out. It was Drake singing a song about uh, about beans or something like okay. that. And it's like it's all AI. Yeah. And it's just like wow, like they can AI. And 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 when you really think about, it, especially with pop music, AI can absolutely generate pop music. Absolutely. They had I saw. Uh, they did a video of Freddie Mercury, by the way, in my mind, the greatest musician of all time, uh, Freddie Mercury singing Billie Jean by uh, Michael Jackson. Jackson. 
And it just sounds cool as shit. Yeah. You know, you're hearing it's fake. It's fake, but you're hearing Freddie do Billy Billy Jean. I feel like shit like that's cool. It's really scary. It's a slippery slope. But I think country's coming back and I think people feel they want real music. People feel a lot of ways right now that they can't really express because you're gonna get and in a lot of ways, you know, country is a little bit more conservative. Oh, no doubt. Um, I think you know, in in this in today's world, and I'm gonna be honest with you, if you're if you have conservative opinions, you will absolutely get fucking torn apart for saying them out loud. Now, granted, if you're super liberal and you say something, there's always gonna be somebody who's got shit to say. But I also feel like it's hard to be honest in today's world and say some of the things, like even some of the things we said tonight. Like people are like, "What? Well, Black to people me- don't tip. <laughs> you know, a lot I, of them don't." I hate to say it, but if you have what I call "f you" money, or if you have the sort of wherewithal not to care about this shit, like I don't really care if, if I get famous or not. I'll just speak my mind. Yeah, but that comes so, with freedom. Yeah, you know that that lack of self censorship, yeah. but. Yeah, I think country is just people. It's it's getting people back to their roots. And, yeah, you know, because they just dest- they destroyed they destroyed what I call straight up rock and roll. Okay. Well, yeah, that's the other thing too. The music industries they yeah. they killed themselves. They did right? without a doubt. They uh, they started overcharging for albums, oh. overcharging for CDs, overcharging for tickets, to overcharging concerts. for tickets. None of the money was going to the artist. Yep. And then Napster came along, and that really fucked up the music industry. Big it's, like, time. it's like guess what. No one's ever going to buy a CD again. Exactly. So then now you have the Apple. People are buying songs for 99 cents. And now you have the artist saying like, wait a minute, 99 cents for my song. I want my bigger cut. Yeah. Then you take it a step further. You create SoundCloud and all this where the artists are like, we don't even need a record deal. I'll do this myself. And the rest is history. It was a great thing for the artists, but you know, it's kind of getting watered down. Speaking of, are you ready to take an 80s music quiz? Let's fucking Let's go. Let's do this. I'm excited about this one. This could right, go yeah. either way. Okay. What was the first song ever played on MTV? Uh, video Killed the Radio Star. Wow. Extra credit if you name the band. I want to say Talking Heads, but it wasn't. No, it was The Buggles. The Buggles, yeah. I'm like, yeah okay. Man. Who sang Relax? Uh, Relax. Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Damn, you got that one, brother. Okay. What is the, or what was the biggest selling single in English, UK history? Biggest selling single in English, UK history. And this is an 80s. Yeah. So it's not Robbie Williams. I don't know if this is a true thing. It's not Robbie Williams' Angels. It's the 80s. Uh, By the way, that's a great song, Robbie Williams' Angels. Great song. Love that song. Wherever she may take me. Um, Damn. I'm gonna go with uh, what the fuck's that song by fucking George Michael? <laughs> no, he, I, but I will say this: he actually sang on this song. Is it that Live Aid song that yes. we are the world? Do they know it's Christmas? Do they know it's Christmas? That's I knew it was, the one. Okay, absolutely, man. That's right. it. That's the number one uh, thing, according to what I read. Uh, theme to Rocky Three. Theme to Rocky Three. Yeah. So it's not Eye of the Tiger. Think about that. Ooh, Think about that. Is it Eye of the Tiger? It is Eye of the Tiger, brother. Still to Rocky Three? Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, it's definitely not in Rocky Four. Who is uh who is the lead singer of the police? Sting. Okay. Yeah. Um what was the video 
with a sculptured head of the guy, of the singer. Sculptured head of the singer? Yeah, he's singing a love song, and the girl is blind, and she's sculpting his head. Oh, so <laughs> before we get into that, because yeah. I know the song. It's uh, Lionel Richie's uh, Hello. There you go, brother. But uh, Michael Jackson's Just Leave Me Alone, at one point there Leave is a version Yeah, there's a version of his head, and it kind right. of opens up, and then it comes out. Oh, that's true, yeah. Um, so, you could have, that's a I'm good glad call, you specified but... the girl was blind. I was like, yeah, I know that one. <laughs> Cindy Lauper had three hits. Name two of them. Um, easy one. Girls just want to have fun. Right. Um, hold on. The one from the Goonies. It's like good love. It's good enough for your love. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then the most, uh, the famous one is uh, Time After Time. Really good. You got two of the three. Absolutely. What was the third one? The third one was True Colors. I see you. Ah, shit. Colors. You're right. I'm thinking about the song from the Goonies. That's a great song. Yeah. Uh, I will name you three albums. Tell me what the band was. Mm-hmm. War, Unforgettable Fire, Joshua Tree. You too. Bingo. NWA album. Uh, what was their first album? Straight out of Compton. <laughs> there it is, brother. Good job. Um, the song Sledgehammer was sung by Peter Gabriel. Uh-huh. He knocked out his former band to become number one. Who was his former band? I want to be your no. Sledgehammer. Oh, my God. I want to say, and I know it's 100% wrong. It's not Genesis. That's what it was. Was it Genesis? <laughs> he was the former lead singer of Genesis. Really? Yeah. And Phil Collins took over him for him when, uh, and they were number one. Sledgehammer knocked out the, uh, the. I think it was Tonight. Man, it's still, when you said Peter Gabriel, my first thought was like Genesis. I'm like, is yeah. it? Like something, whatever, there's a connection there. I got it. Fuck it. I got it right. All right. There were three Tina Turner hits in the 80s. Name two of them. Three Tina Turner hits yep. in the 80s. Um, I'm not going to get any of them. I want to say, Seriously? what's love got to do with there it? There you go. There's number one. Is that one of them? Absolutely. Um, and you definitely know this one, the second one. Why was I singing it tonight? No, but it's like a very popular song. It's not that song rolling, is it? No. Mm. You're simply the best. Oh, fuck. That's right. <laughs> Good she song. also had the song, I'm your private the dancer. dancer. Dancing for money. Do what you want me to do. Okay. Uh, This is a hard one. I'll be surprised. But because I was there, I know this answer. Who closed the shows at both Live Aids? Who closed? Ooh, that's a great fucking question. Yep. It wasn't Queen. No. Um, They came on at 12 o'clock Philadelphia time, 6 o'clock English time. I'm gonna. It's not you two, although you two did perform at Live Aid. Yes, they did. Eighties. It's gotta be something big, something peaceful, <laughs> something easy. <laughs> Let's see, something that will transcend. I'm gonna go with the Rolling Stones. Very close. Uh, in Britain, it was Wham and Paul McCartney. Shut the fuck up, there you Wham. Go. There's your George Michael, and. In the United States, it was uh, Mick Jagger from the Stones and Tina Turner. 
and then Bob Dylan came out and croaked. I'm, I'm taking that one right. I'm taking <laughs> you get you get a piece of both. I get it. <laughs> you can't fucking ask me who closed it. It's a fucking montage of people. Well, I'm just saying that, that, that was who closed it. What a sign of the times, I was, though. Mick I was, Jagger and I was Tina there. Turner. I was there at at Live Aid. First of all, the fucking it, it was literally like a survival thing for me because I was so blasted in the morning. I, we brought in a, a watermelon that was carved out and we put vodka in it. Oh yeah. And I was just gone. I'm like, my head's in my hands at 10 o'clock in the morning. I'm like, how am I going to do this? It was crazy. You just got to drink water, sober up by 1 o'clock. It was ready to so party fucking again. hot. It was so hot that That day. works out, though. You can sweat it out. I don't know, man. I was just thankful for all the girls that took their tops off around me. It was very nice of them. And on me. <laughs> it was very nice of them. <laughs> oh my God. I miss those 18 to 25-year-old uh, <laughs> I'll tell you what, man. Being at a concert like that, I recommend everybody do it at least once. I went to uh, Bonnaroo. Oh, yeah. Same time of thing. Yep, yep. Bonnaroo, the 10-year anniversary. By the way, uh, awful trip. I would never do it again. <laughs> but I do remember the second night, the main night, We, uh, my, my best friend's brother and my good friend Cal, we were there early. We went to go see Wiz Khalifa. Okay. And we were like, hey, you know what? If we just stay here all day, we can catch all the shows and have really a really good spot for the main show, which was right. an Eminem, huge Eminem fan. So myself, I'm the Eminem I fan. I get it. So we stayed there. I we get saw Wiz Khalifa. When I hear his shit. I know you do. <laughs> Wiz Khalifa was fantastic. Then we see our friends, and they get in line to get into the pit for the the Black Keys. Okay. But the line is That's so a long. Great band. Yeah, oh. the line is so long that they're like, "Hey, like they can like literally we're we're behind the fence. So it's like, okay. you got, why are you guys in line to stand here?" So, you know, they come, we watch the Black Keys. They were fucking phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, and then Eminem comes out. And I remember being close enough. You know what I mean? I'm maybe like 100 feet away from the stage. Right. And I'm like, this is fucking fantastic. And then Eminem had that song with Royce to 5'9", uh, or I think his new single, uh, Sky Full of Lighters. Okay. And he's like, I want to see a whole sky full of lighters. And... You don't realize how many people. That was the one he did with the Rihanna. uh, With uh, Rihanna. Yes, 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 yes. yes. I remember that. You don't realize how many people there are until at that moment. Literally, it looked like the sun rose. Everyone put up a lighter, and the sky lit up. And I was like, "Holy!" Because we're in the middle of like Tennessee, like Manchester, Tennessee. There's nothing. I turn around and I see all these like little flames. And then they had the camera, like they had a, the video on this on this on the screen, and you see the sea of people. It's one hundred and fifty thousand people. Wow! And here I am, a hundred feet away from the stage, and I'm like, "There's somebody a mile away." Yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. fucking here. Yes. And I looked at my boy Cal. I was like, "Best decision ever." <laughs> nice. We sat there all day drinking iced tea and eating gator bites, but it was that's fun. awesome, man. One of the best memories of my life. That's beautiful. How did they just let you down there? Because I kind of went down to the front of the stage at Live Aid too, but like well, I like I was like ten feet away from Madonna, for instance. Well, well, the way it works, it was just it's just an open field. Who's very short, by the way. I believe that uh, she's very old right now too. <laughs> she um, looks it. It's just a big open field, and you can just go and sit down. Right. And then depending on the show, it gets more and more you crowded. Kind of weave to the front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. But we were already at the front because we stayed there for oh, Wiz Khalifa. Okay, I gotcha. And we just didn't move all I day. Get I get it. We just stayed there and made friends with people, and you know, right on. You know, partook in extracurricular activities, <laughs> and it's like, hey, we got this, you got that, let's have a good time. 
And then, you know, we took mushrooms and the night took a turn. But <laughs> <laughs> that was after Eminem. <laughs> the night got wild. <laughs> All right. So you ready? Last part of the quiz. Let's go. Okay. I'm going to read you the lyric. You tell me the song. Ooh, I'm excited and nervous. I'm never going to dance again. Guilty man, feet uh, have got no rhythm. That's George Michael. Okay. What's the name of the song? Careless Whisper. There you go. I'm going to live forever. I'm going to learn how to fly. That is fame. Right. Well, it's Flashdance. Flashdance. You're in the right the ballpark. I'll give it to I'm you. I'm going to live forever. Clock strikes upon the hour and the sun begins to fade. Oh, fuck. I know this one. Is there, can you continue the lyric or is that no, all you No, but me? I'll, uh, I mean, you'll, as soon as I tell you, you're going to know it. I mean, I'll give you a hint. Why not? There we go. It's Whitney. What song? Clock strikes upon the hour. Yep, there you go. The sun begin to fade. Dance with somebody. There you go. There I want to dance with somebody. If there's something strange in your neighborhood. <laughs> Who are you going to call? Who are you going to call? There you go. Loving would be easy. By the way, yes. quick story about that song. Oh, you got a backstory. Got a story about that song. Love it. They originally approached Huey Lewis and the News. Not true. That's what he says. <laughs> no, no. What happened is he got sued by Huey Lewis and the News for uh, plagiarism. Yeah. They have their song, I Want a New Drug. Yes. Same exact riff. He basically riff, he ripped off that Same riff, exact riff. And he got nailed. I, but it was uh, Ray Parker. Yes, but listen. Okay. I saw Huey Lewis said this on his Behind the Music. Okay. He said that they had approached him to do the song for uh, for this Ghostbusters movie. Okay. And they couldn't figure out a contract. They couldn't figure out a price and whatever. And he goes, no, nah, I'm not fucking doing it. Okay. So they said he saw the movie and he heard the theme song. Yeah. And they, his first thought was, took it. these motherfuckers took <laughs> yeah. my song. Yep. And like when I first heard I Need a New Drug, I was like, yo, yep. it's the Ghostbusters song. That's what it is, man. So he fucking sued. But basically, he they asked him to do the song. And he oh, said, I didn't know Fuck that. Off. I thought he was, because I know they asked him to do Power of Love for uh, for Back to the Future. That's really? the power of love. Yeah. You know so, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, they approached him to do the, the theme song for Ghostbusters. He said I no. Know they that. just okay. fucking took it. I will accept that L. <laughs> Heard that yeah. from Huey himself, my um, man. Love Huey. Huey actually went to school in Lawrenceville. Did he? Yeah, he went to prep school in Lawrenceville. Jersey boy. I just found out. He's that, not a uh, Jersey boy. He just happened to go to school here. Really? He's from San Francisco originally. So what the fuck was he doing here? He went to Lawrence I have prep? no idea. Rich kid? Uh, I, probably. He played baseball. He was well, on a baseball scholarship. I just found out that Hilly Crystal, the owner of CBGB, okay. that guy, yeah, he's yeah. from Heightstown. Oh, is he really? Yeah. yeah. That makes sense, though. Oh, <laughs> fucking East Windsor. All right, since you sang one of their songs tonight, loving would be easy if your colors were like my dreams. <laughs> my dreams don't have colors, they're just wet. <laughs> <laughs> That's some good shit. That's some good shit. Um, I don't even remember what I was singing tonight. I don't think I know that song. You sang, do you really want to? Oh, Culture Club. Gotcha. Yeah, it's, this is Karma Chameleon. All right, you got five more. Let's see how you do. You were working at a waitress as a waitress in a cocktail bar. This is a hard one. Oh fuck! 
Don't you want me, baby? That's the song. That's a good song. Yeah, I don't think you're going to know that one. Uh, Tommy used to work on the docks. Come on, that's the Union's King of Jersey. That's Bon Jovi. Absolutely. You can't start a fire. You can't start a fire without a spark. Is that Billy Joel's We Didn't Start the Fire? No. I fucking know. It's this gun's for hire, even if we're just dancing in the dark. No idea. The other Jersey guy, Springsteen. I never listened. I never got into Bruce. Uh, I play so much of his music. Never got into Bruce. Dude. He's before my generation. All right. He always got respect because he's like the boss. Yeah. But like we were kind of like, eh. Bon Jovi was our guy. Do yourself one favor. And then My Chemical Romance. <laughs> That's true. Um, I was never a Bruce fan. I was always like the sort of like the more arenas like Foreigner Boston, Yellow Sticks, that kind of thing. And someone gave me a bootleg of Springsteen. I swear to God, the hairs on the back of my head, back of my neck stood up when he sang particular songs. And I'm like, this guy's amazing. And I've just, ever since, I've just had uber, uber respect for this guy. I'll start listening. Just just watch this thing. He did a, a thing called Springsteen on Broadway. It was on HBO. Hmm. Unfucking believable. I'll just, check it out. I mean, he's such a douchebag with his politics, but whatever. I know Stevie Van Zant was in the band. <sighs> yeah, he was. And in The Sopranos. Um, last one. I don't even think you're going to get this one. All right. Hot summer streets and the pavements are burning. I'll give you a hint. The name of the band is Bananarama. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no. Cruel nope. Summer. Cruel, cruel okay. summer. You know, see, but I know the songs, though. I know. That's Fuck 80s music, is. baby. Great music. All right. Big question, then we're out of here. Give me the three trips you want to take with your kids. Costa Rica. Why, though? I think they would really enjoy it. Just okay. like, because it's one of those trips where you, it's, you know, they, I've said this before, they create the illusion of acting like you're part of the locals. So I think <laughs> they would have fun, like, you know, okay. going to the pool, going to the beach, All right. you know, walking the streets, walking to go get I some get gelato. Pura Vida. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like slumming it, but like they're not. <laughs> um, Disney. I think that's everyone's fucking That's what I kind of figured you'd be on that. Yeah. But Disney's a, all about waiting in line, man. It's like not 45 anymore. minutes Dude, an hour. Now you got to book your fucking time. Is that the deal? Yeah, it's all flash pass now. So you like you go on the night before and you like boom, 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 boom. Oh, boom, is that the way boom, it works boom, boom, now? Boom, yep, and you're in, out, bang, bang, bang. <sighs> Plus the line, the wait time at Disney's gone down because the numbers. I are heard down. it's like now like 24 minutes or 25, yeah. which is historically the lowest it's ever the been. The lowest it's ever been. People aren't going anymore. You got to uh, get in touch with our boy Dom. He actually works at Epcot. He reached out to me. He told me. Did he? <laughs> but I'm scared to tell Steph because then she's going to be like, we're going next week. And I'll be like, oh, God. Um, and the third trip. The third trip, I would love to take them somewhere, you know, you know, unique. Like, yeah. I would love to take my kids to, like, Japan. That would be really cool. Yeah, like, Costa Rica's like, we go to Costa Rica. Right. And then Disney's like, we went to Disney, but then I want to take them somewhere. Kids are like, what did you do there? Yeah. And they're yeah. just like, you have no fucking clue. Wow. Like, Benny would be like, they have cantaloupe flavored Kit Kats. Yes, <laughs> they do. Dude, they, they fucking do. By the it, way, if you're a fan of the show and you can get access to the cantaloupe flavored Kit Kats, please send them my way. <laughs> nice. 21 Bellmead, Gregstown Road. Well, there you go, brother. So it's Costa Rica, Disney, and Japan. 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 I like it. The reason I brought that up is because I was wondering where to like, like I'm taking, we're going to England 
in the end of September. Ooh, that sounds exciting. Yeah, I'm going to see a concert there. Nobody will know who it is, but at any rate, I'm going to see the concert at Royal Albert Hall. So if anybody has any recommendations what for band? restaurants or... Just say the band. Nobody knows him. His name is Paul Carrick. He sang, Tempted by the Fruit of Another. Okay. And he also sang, How Long Has This Been Going On? But he never tours in the States. Interesting. Yeah, so I don't know. Taxes? Just, possibly. <laughs> it's worse over there. But uh, so we're going to see him. Right. So why get taxed twice? You know? <laughs> yeah. But I got uh, front row fucking seats to this thing. And it cost me quite a bit of money. <laughs> oh, fuck it. You only it's live like, once. That's what I'm thinking nowadays. Whenever I go see a concert, I got to see like I got to be in the front row or, Listen, or second row or something like a smart, that. A, small, a wise man once told me you never see a, a hearse followed by a U-Haul. There you go. I think that was uh, your your good buddy here. I think that was you. That you're staring at. My, little, my, old, my old Jewish friend. There my you rabbi go. friend. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, if anybody has any, especially you uh, better than average podcast boys, let me know what, it's like a good restaurant or good hotel in the in that area. Royal oh, you're Albert not Hall. finding a fucking good restaurant in England? Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> what are you trying to say? It's like finding, that's like trying to find a virgin at a front house. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> you want to uh, end on that note? Ending it on that note. <laughs> bad now, but like that's not true, Miguel. There's a lot of good places we can come and eat down here. Good accent. You just don't know because you're not from here. I'm like, you're right. I'm fucking not. I'm from here, and we have good fucking food here. Good night, everybody. See ya. <laughs>